What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shave Daily Live as the Cardinals tonight fell to the Colorado Rockies 7-4. They just can't seem to get out of the doldrums right now as they come off of the series loss to the Brewers. You had the middle game. Everybody thought the vibes were better in that one. You got the great pitching performance from Montgomery. You got the offense rolling. Nolan Arenado's 300th home run. And then Sunday, we talked about on B-Shave Daily, for this morning, everything that sort of went wrong in the Easter Sunday game for the Cardinals, and then tonight was no better. In a situation where I thought maybe Herman Marquez, they might be able to get to him, score some more runs than they did. Uh, they only put up four runs in the game. Marquez actually leaves it early, and so he wasn't a major factor. He looked good at the beginning. The Cardinals had a good inning against him. Otherwise, they couldn't get anything going offensively in this game. And then another weird situation involving Ollie Marmol where – uh, they're late to challenge the play. And I don't really know how that unfolded, how that happened. There wasn't a lot. I wanted to wait to do the live stream until we saw in the postgame show what Ollie had to say about it. And the answer was not a whole lot. Um, said basically that he thought he had a second left as the, the clock was expiring. You have a certain amount of time to challenge a call. The umpires said, hey, the clock we're looking at, you ran out of time and you can't challenge the play. And the thing that I don't understand, if you were watching the television broadcast, clearly, clearly Wilson Contreras tagged Charlie Blackman. And it's like he wasn't rushing over to Ollie to say, hey, I tagged him. Forget what was happening at home plate. Even on the television postgame show, they never brought it up. I don't really know if they they didn't get that angle. Um, but the, the road team angle, the Colorado Rockies, their broadcast, I saw VHS, Van Hickelstein on Twitter. He put it out there, and that was the first time I had seen it. And it was clear as day from that angle that he did tag him, unless the ball wasn't in his glove. That was obviously a missed call by the umpiring crew. Um, but if that's the situation, I don't know why Wilson isn't insisting to Ollie that he tagged him. It might be one of those things where he did it out of instinct and didn't even realize that he had tagged him. Like, it's just one of those things where you're you're focusing on the plate. And so after the play has unfolded and they call him safe, you, you see Contreras kind of looking back at the plate as though that was a, a functional part of the play. And it really wasn't. If he had realized, hey, I, I slapped a glove on him, you point into the dugout and say, hey, challenge it. Don't wait. You don't have to wait for anything. And I think players, it's interesting because players should probably be on top of those things. But at the same time, the manager is going to try to do the due diligence anyway. And even if he thinks it's a case where, oh, yeah, my player is insisting it, I, he probably wants to wait to make sure he doesn't waste the challenge. But in that spot, you know, I don't know how that happens. I really don't. Ollie says he got it in. They say he didn't. Tyler O'Neill says he hustled. Ollie says he didn't. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a he said, he said sort of thing. It, the Cardinals get screwed by it ultimately uh, because I think, I'd like to think that if they go in and look at that, while they're looking at what's going on at home plate with the foot and Contreras, they would probably go, oh, he tagged him. He's out. There's nothing to talk about now. Uh, but they totally miss it. So I don't know how that happens. I don't know how it's not more of an insistence from Contreras unless he just wasn't, you know, like things happen so quickly when you're in that moment, maybe it's not as easy as it seems to us sitting at home watching it on TV. Uh, and, and heck, it wasn't that easy for the the Valley Midwest broadcast because they didn't even show that version of the replay. Um, but the one they showed on the other broadcast was clear that he tagged him. So Cardinals lose a run there. Does it really matter in the end? They would have lost six to four, maybe instead of seven to four. Uh, maybe that gives Jordan Walker a little more juice there in the ninth inning, but he gets called out on the check swing anyway. And so the Cardinals lose this game. He does extend his hitting streak, though. That was good to see from Jordan Walker. Ten games, man. He just keeps going and keeps hitting the ball hard. So, all right, I'm going to get into these questions right now. 
Uh, real quick, like the stream if you haven't done so already. Follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm going to jump right into the comments here with the question from Chan the Man. What would my new win total be? He says over under 90 and a half wins. The Cardinals are right now three and seven on the season and I, way out of the division. They were four games out to begin today. I don't know. Maybe somebody can tell me if the Brewers won tonight or not. Um, but it's not moving in the right direction for the Cardinals. Ten games already have been played. That's the 16th of the season, basically. And so while it is still early, uh, as more games are played and the problems don't get solved, we get a little bit closer to this just being a representative sample size of who the Cardinals are. I don't think we're at that point yet. I think if you set it at 90 and a half, Chan the man, it's a very interesting line. I I still think I'm going to take the over because it seems to me that there's a spot in the season where the Cardinals just hit their stride and we forget all about this, right? It's very, very difficult to put ourselves in the frame of mind that 10 games isn't representative of an 162-game season um, because right now it's all we have to go on. But I really do believe that the Cardinals at the end of the day uh, are too talented not to get things figured out. But the starting pitching is a concern. Like, that's the part where people probably are not overreacting. Welcome to the, the couple of people who just joined the stream. I don't think it's it's a situation where this is magically going to just turn into a, an elite rotation, right? Tonight with Steven Matz, they asked Ollie after the game, what did you think of his performance? He said, oh, he made some good pitches, uh, made a few mistakes. But, like, you look at the line score, nine hits, given up six earned runs. It's not like he was getting hit for home runs a bunch, but they hit him all over the yard a little bit, nine hits. Uh, and then, you know, you have some defensive miscues, obviously, um, with, with the play at home in particular. Let me know what else stood out to you guys from tonight, from Steven Matz in particular. It just seems to me that he should be more effective than he's been. Um, but for the starts that we've seen from him, he's just getting hit around a little bit at this point. Both starts, uh, more more hard contact, I feel like, than I expected to see uh, based on the Steven Matz that we saw in spring training, missing bats, having guys be pretty off balance. I guess that's an example of the fact that spring training is not indicative always of the regular season. Um, but yeah, I'm a little surprised by Matt struggling the way that he has through the first couple of outings. And I do, I consider tonight a struggle, you know, uh, you can say he didn't get hit too hard or didn't give up, uh, too many extra base hits or whatever. Lots of singles. Eh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, he did give up a lot of contact in six runs or six runs. So, uh, it's going to get to the point where results have to start coming. It's not to that point yet. Like I said, if you're giving me over under 90 and a half, I, I would still take the over, but I hope you're given some pretty good odds because right now it obviously doesn't look as though uh, the Cardinals are going to get over the, the 90 and a half mark. If you haven't liked the stream, do me a favor on YouTube and give that a like as I go back into the comments section here. Cody asks a pretty simple question. Any panic yet? Um, I'm not panicked yet on behalf of the Cardinals. I can understand why fans would be because, and I tweeted this out for all the platitudes that, that I can offer you about how it's early. It's the first week of the season, all that good stuff. Like, it's still not fun to see the Cardinals playing the way that they are. Uh, and, and I talked about Sunday, how the at-bats were actually not very good. I did not think that as a team they took very good at-bats in Sunday's loss. And today, I think outside of that one inning, what was it, the fourth inning, where uh, they were able to put up the runs, I, I thought the beginning of this game, the first time through the batting order, um, it was just kind of like going through the motions a little bit. Uh, they, they, they go pretty much quiet the first time through, and then Brendan Donovan comes up and gets that opposite field hit to, to get things going in the fourth. That helps out a little bit. Uh, they, you know, they, they punch through for one in the sixth, and obviously the, the Nolan Gorman swing was a good one in the ninth, but it was kind of too little too late at that point. Uh, I just don't know. I, I thought a little inconsistent 
But maybe that was my own fault for having some expectations where I thought this team would really be able to pile it on in a matchup where I thought they set up favorably against Marquez. Uh, and then you get into the bullpen earlier because of the Marquez injury. Hopefully he's okay. But I just thought, man, once he came out of the game, you get that Colorado bullpen for, what was it, five innings at that point. I thought they would be able to do more damage than they did. And it, it kind of happens quick, right? With the pitch clock, these games are going a lot more quickly. And it just seems like whatever opportunity there would have been for the Cardinals to uh, to make a run in this thing, it, it sort of evaporated quickly. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, it hasn't been pretty. Three and seven is three and seven, Cody. So I wouldn't say panic. But when you look at the rotation, that is a spot that it's like you got to start turning through some better outings if you're going to feel like it's it's going to get there. Uh, and, and you look, you know, Miles Michaelis pitches on uh, on Tuesday. He goes tomorrow. He's had two bad outings. Now you pitch in Colorado. That's not necessarily a good omen. And you'll be able to look back at things when they come home on Thursday to St. Louis to take on the Pirates. You'll be able to look at the first four series and go, well, at first they played the Blue Jays and the Braves, and those were some pretty good teams with good offenses. And then they go to Milwaukee. That's a pretty favorable park for, uh, the, the you know, the opposition to hit the ball and uh, that's a divisional rival, the team that is probably most closely contending with the Cardinals to win the division, at least before the season. You might have thought that. And so that's another tough potential playoff team. Well, and now you go to Colorado. Everybody knows kind of it, it could be a tough place to pitch. So if you thought the starting pitching was going to get fixed there, you're probably barking up the wrong tree. Like you can make excuses all you want. And eventually you're going to have to say, what's your record? What are you doing? How are you going to get to uh, to that 90-win plateau or whatever the case might be to to be a playoff team? I don't know. Like it's, it, it it is one of those things where you could you could be welcomed home to St. Louis on Thursday. You could sweep the Pirates. I think it's a four game series. You could take them down, and suddenly everything feels great. But until that happens, there are Cardinals fans that are going to be panicking, and I understand it because I think with the way the team is constructed, you look at the starting pitching and you go, something's got to give. Like Michaelis has been a more consistent pitcher in past years, so if he goes back to his career norms or at least his norms of what he's been with the Cardinals, you feel a lot better about it. Jordan Montgomery had a great start. Jack Flaherty has been fine. Like, he's gotten away with having some really inconsistent uh, command of his pitches with 13 walks through, what, 10 innings he's had. So you could see a world in which he fixes that, and he looks even more dominant and ends up with a, a 2 ERA or something because that's basically already what he's got now when he hasn't been pitching well. So you could flip the coin over to the other side and see ways that this could go right for the Cardinals. Right now, it's a situation where it, it really has not gone uh, the way that they want. So... Panic yet? I don't think panic's the right word, but certainly it's not going the way that I thought it would to begin the season. Greg says, is this the year that Pakota will be right? Pakota has insisted every single year for the last, I don't know, 10, ever since Pakota's existed, that the Cardinals are going to be a bad team. And uh, this year, I think Pakota actually had them with a winning record, which some years it doesn't. This year it did. Um, but yeah, I mean, if this ends up being kind of a, a low to mid-80s win total team, maybe Pakota will get to have a victory lap for the first time in a decade. Uh, Daniel, should we be worried about the offense now? I mean, we can't hit in Colorado, and tomorrow we face a pitcher who shut out the Nats and the Padres. Uh, I mean, you can worry about the offense if you want. I look one through nine and still see a group that should be able to, at the end of the day, uh, have a, a pretty potent offense and pretty potent run production for the course of a full season. But I can understand if you're like, well, you've been saying that. You've been saying, well, this is a team that could lead the league and run scored, and they keep not producing that way like four runs of course should you should view it as a disappointment that's my thing game to game you you can and honestly should be disappointed in what you're seeing from the cardinals offensively pitching but at what point does it become a, a, a picture of the season and a picture of who they are as a team long term 
I don't I don't think we're at that point yet, but it is one of those deals where it would be nice to see one go through, right? To see one go in the in the net, know that they're able to to wrap off two, three, four wins in a row and sort of find that equilibrium. And right now, in, in all facets of the game, really, they just don't look as crisp as I expected them to be. Um, you know, the the defensive plays, the, the the Contreras one stands out, but at the same time, it's like that's not really his fault. You'd like to see him keep his foot on the plate, but he tagged the guy. He absolutely tagged the guy. They showed it on the Colorado broadcast more than they did on the St. Louis one, and you just it's a bad break, and the Cardinals are getting some of those bad beats, but they're also making some of their own um, bad beats by you know giving up a lot of contact, giving up a lot of runs. The other defensive play that I wanted to talk about from tonight, I forget which inning it was, um, but it was the, the Little League play. I mean, I, I guess it was either third or fourth inning. You'll have to remind me in the stream. It was the Little League play where it feels like that's a move the Cardinals will pull on other teams to be able to get them off their game and steal a run. They've done it in recent years, and they just let that happen to them where there's a runner on third base and you you get to strike him out and you think you can throw the guy out at second base. The guy can walk to second base. He's just trying to get you into the rundown, and it works to a T. They end up getting the out to get out of the inning, but not before the run score. That was in the third inning because it made it 2 nothing, as I recall it now. Can't happen. I mean – individually fans media everybody should be able to call out these plays that are that have been bad these situations that have been not crisp not clean not cardinal style of baseball and we're seeing a, a decent number of them in the early going do i think it is indicative of a larger problem no but there does come a point where if you keep doing those things to you are i don't think we're there yet with the cardinals but i can understand it feels like groundhog day all over again these days with the cardinals because every day it's like something new today it was the misplay by the umpires uh, on on the Contreras tag of Blackman, and it was the the weird play to end the third inning that just it was a free run that they gave away that that, that didn't need to happen. Uh, going down here, checking out more of the comments. Josh, how does the video room miss the Contreras tagged him? Saw it on the first replay that Bally showed. Uh, I don't know. I truly I have no idea, and that's what I'm saying. Like it doesn't mean they're a bad video room. It doesn't mean the coaches are bad. But we can call a play bad when it's bad. This one was bad. You have to you have to be able to catch that. And like Josh said, he saw it on the very first replay Bally showed. I didn't happen to. was doing some different things, and I was just focused on the plate. Uh, but if they would have showed the, re- the, the angle of the replay that they did in Colorado, but maybe that's it. Like, is the St. Louis video room not looking at, you know, do, do they ha- what, what are they looking at? That's a good question. I'm kind of curious what the answer to that would be because, uh, yes, as Josh mentioned, you could see on that replay that he tagged him, but it was – it was very, very uh, not the focus of the play. The tag was not the focus of the, the camera work that was being done on that particular replay. And then Bally didn't show it again, unless I missed it. Uh, I, I, I scrolled back to where I could see it and then fast-forwarded beyond that. So I don't know that they showed uh, the, the best angle that did focus on the tag. But either way, you know, your ability to view it at home and their ability to get it right in the video room should be two different things. The threshold uh, should be a little higher for them to say, hey, we got to make sure to get this right because that has an impact on the game. Whether I see it at home doesn't. The other part of it is, like I had said earlier, I don't know if Contreras didn't even think to say, I tagged him, because if that if he gets that across to Ollie in those those key moments before the clock runs out, I don't think there's any doubt that Ollie would challenge it and do so a little more quickly. Um, not getting it in is bad. I know it's difficult, and like, it's, there are challenges to it because of the pitch clock and the clock that they keep you on. It's more stringent than it's ever been. That being said, it, the, the, their job in that moment is to get it right. So does it mean they're terrible at their jobs? No, but it means they messed it up in this case. They did. Uh, Chant and Zach Gallon, seven innings with 11 strikeouts for the Diamondbacks. Ouch. Uh, which does mean, I guess, that Milwaukee is trailing. So, hey, the Cardinals will take that. 
um, because they need Milwaukee to lose some games to stay within reach. But yeah, Zach Gallen, that that Ozuna trade, that but that's just something that y'all should keep in mind when you're thinking. By the way, though, Sandy Alcantara got absolutely shelled today uh, by the Phillies. So I, if we're going to be going to be fair and give both sides of that coin, but the ma- the fact of the matter is, man, if you trade prospects, especially pitching prospects, to fix what you consider to be a right now need, you could end up getting completely screwed. And the Cardinals did. The Ozuna trade is one of the worst trades in recent memory to give up two frontline starters in one deal for a guy who, you know, wasn't very good. Didn't pan out in St. Louis the way that I think a lot of people hoped that he would. He had so-so years, but uh, was not a long-term fixture and was never going to be in St. Louis. And, yeah, that we look back on that one and go, what could have been if Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen were in this rotation right now? But how many years have to go by before we go, all right, it's in the past and it is what it is. Um, I think if the St. Louis rotation was performing a little better, people wouldn't be so fixated on on the guys that got away. But I understand the the human nature of it to to feel that. Uh, what fish says? Hey, I can't find the clip of Wilson tagging him at Van Hickelstein on Twitter. That's where you need to go because that's where I saw it. He posted the clip of the Colorado broadcast and they showed it clear as day. Uh, he tagged him out. There's no. It wouldn't have even been a close. Would have been a five second replay if they would have allowed him to challenge it. Which, by the way, MLB wants pace of play and all these things. The arguing that takes place over whether or not Ollie got the, the call in to challenge it in time takes far longer than it would have taken to actually challenge and get the play right. At the end of the day, MLB, you should want to get the play right rather than have these sort of you know asinine rules of, well, technically he didn't. My, my stopwatch said, who cares? I think they should the, the focus on the, on the play at the end of the day should be to get the play right. And if it's within the close enough, like they're being sticklers about it, and I get it, the rules are the rules. At the same time, MLB could do so much better when it comes to common sense on some of these things. But Ollie could have gotten it in sooner, and we wouldn't be having this conversation. So I get both sides of it. I really do. Uh, Josh, how can this team wait until the deadline to get pitching help? That could be too late. Let me know who do you want the Cardinals to take out of the rotation. And try to be realistic about this, guys, because Stephen Matz, $11 million. They signed him to be part of the rotation. They just extended Miles Michaelis. Jordan Montgomery shoved on Saturday. Jack Flaherty has a, a solid ERA and hasn't really done, like, he hasn't been giving up hard contact, getting shelled, or even giving up runs. He's walking way too many batters, and the command has been pretty rough from him. But don't you think it can get better from Jack Flaherty? And if he's walking 13 guys in 10 innings, talking about Jack Flaherty, don't you think that when he stops doing that, the earned run average is going to, to even more be something that he can sustain? Right now he's given up, like, two runs in 10 innings. So he's been able to get away with that because he's a very talented pitcher. So you're not taking Jack Flaherty out of the rotation. Nobody's suggesting that. I'm not even going to pretend it. And if you are, think a little harder. Jordan Montgomery, why would you want to take him out? He looked great. Jake Woodford, all right, fair. Adam Wainwright's coming back within the next couple of weeks to take his spot. It just is. Uh, and and you might say, I don't, I don't know if Wainwright can hack it in the rotation. You might be right, but they're going to give him the opportunity to show that or uh, or not, right? He's either going to be able to do it or he can't, but... They're not going out and getting a st- like. And who are you going to get? Who are you going to trade for in April? It's just they're gonna they're gonna have to ride through this for a little bit. Not only because the names aren't out there on the market, nobody's itching to make those types of deals in on April tenth. But more than that, look at the names that are in the rotation. Who are you going to remove from it? Those answers, as much as the rotation is struggling and that's a problem, the answer to the question is not as simple. I think as Cardinals fans are making it out to be when they say fix the rotation. There, it's going to become clear at some point how they're going to do it. May, June, July, these things will, will play themselves out. 
But right now, I don't think there's an obvious answer. And when you look at, they just extended Miles Michaelis. They're not putting him in the bullpen. All right, Jordan Montgomery, we've already talked about. Jack Flaherty, we know that he's in the rotation. Adam Wainwright's coming. We'll see what he's able to do. Hopefully the velocity is higher than 86. I recognize that that could end up being a problem over the course of a season. Um, but Adam Wainwright's going to be in your rotation, right? And then uh, Stephen Matz is maybe the one that you worry about. But I think the money is going to dictate longer than April 10th, right? Like if they're going to take him out, it's going to be because Stephen Matz has a 6.2 ER. Like he's Patrick Corbin in June. But I, I think he's going to have the chance to to let that play out more than just two starts uh, before they can start having those conversations. So I hear you, Josh. How do they wait to the deadline to get pitching help? I, how don't they is really the other side of that question. I don't think there's anybody that you can honestly tell me they're going to replace. Realistically, it's just you're going to you're going to dance with who brung you here. Unfortunately, this group of of salsa tango guys has has brought them to a three and seven record. So. They're going to have to get better. I get it. There's nobody that you can replace except for Jake Woodford, and Wainwright's coming to do that within the next two weeks. Matthew Libertor is another guy that I think is going to get a shot before they go external in the organization uh, to find a way to fix pitching. Libertor, if he keeps looking good in Memphis, he'll he'll be the next guy they call up. Caleb, Nolan, and Wilson need to step up. I know they will soon, but it would be nice. That's right. I mean, Caleb, you get it. Yes, Nolan and Wilson have to play better because they're two of the biggest star players on this team. And you're going to only go as far as your stars are going to take you. But have the wherewithal to go, all right, what has been their career norms? What is it likely that they're going to do over the course of a season? It's 10 games. So are are those two things always going to add up? No. If you take any 10-game sample of Arenado's career in the middle of June or the middle of July, you can find 10-game samples selectively that don't look as good. And his numbers, I don't think, are maybe as terrible as, I mean, the guy... (laughs) The guy's hitting 317. So, like, I'm, I'm making these comments based on y'all's frustration, which I get your frustration. His his average is 317, and he's got a 771 uh, OPS right now. 771's not great. It's not Arenado caliber, but it's, you know, it's not it's not the uh, the struggle bust that I think it's being made out to be uh, by some at this point. Hey, guys, 19 of y'all watching. Really appreciate you guys watching the stream. Could you like it for me? I'm telling you, it helps me out more than you can uh, understand. So, I uh, appreciate it if you would just give it a like on your YouTube page. Uh, Cody asks, with the disagreements and poor play from Tyler, does he become the odd man out? Not necessarily. Like, Ollie's going to get to the point where, are you hitting? Are you playing consistently? You're the odd man in. Like, that's what it's going to boil down to. I don't think tonight that the Tyler O'Neill thing was anything more than, hey, Dylan Carlson's got to play at times, and I, I thought he looked pretty good in center field defensively. Um, and, and here's the thing. Like, it's not an ideal defensive alignment to have Burleson in left and Walker in right, but you almost don't have any other choice because Alec Burleson is one of the few guys that is just consistently stinging the ball for this team. He goes uh, one for four tonight, has the run scored, uh, 308 batting average. The uh, the OPS is 972 if this is updated on MLB, which I believe it is. So, like, his left field isn't great. In, in, in a spacious outfield like Coors Field, you don't love it, but, man, the guy's raking. So, it, that even puts more of a squeeze to get back to the question uh, that Cody had asked on t- guys like Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson because Hurlison's going to keep playing because he's continuing to hit. So, I, yeah, when Lars Newpark comes back, this outfield has a chance to look a lot different. Um, but that's going to be where Ollie just has to, and I think he's going to assimilate to this very quickly. If you're performing, you're going to keep playing, and I don't care what your name is. Uh, and right now, that's Jordan Walker and Alec Burleson both hitting pretty well uh, and consistently for this team. And so you're talking about Newt Bar, O'Neill, and Carlson. 
there might be only one of those guys playing on a daily basis when it comes down to it, and especially if you're facing right-handed pitching, they're going to have Burleson in there. And how can you blame them? Burleson's, like I said, one of the few guys that is consistently stinging the ball right now. So it's 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 a dog-eat-dog world in the Cardinals outfield, and I know that makes people frustrated because they say, well, trade somebody. You could get a pitcher. How many different players have, have Cardinals Twitter tried to trade? I'm talking outfielders. Has Cardinals Twitter tried to trade over the past three or four or five months for a, a capable starting pitcher? All right. How many times do you think the Cardinals maybe have floated those exact same things to teams and those other teams see exactly what the Cardinals see in these outfielders? They might be good enough to start. They might not. We don't know. But they're not giving up quality starting pitching for, I think, what could be considered question marks by some. So a trade goes both ways. I don't know that the trade value of these players that the Cardinals obviously can't fit all of them in their lineup at once either. That's not exactly going to build trade value and convince some other team to, to trade you a number three starter for these players. It is is tougher than it looks, I think, to get those deals done. And just being quite frank, tougher for John Moselock in particular to get those types of trades done. He has not it's not been a strong suit of his over the course of his career. There are so many things that John Moselock does very well. He can make the blockbuster trade in the offseason. He can do it with the best of them, and he can fleece the other team in, in the process. Although I did make the joke tonight that the Rockies won the Elias uh, Montero trade. Obviously, Montero was one of the pieces that went over to Colorado in the Nolan Arenado deal. But you look at those types of Nolan trades, those Goldie trades, Mosellock can wait and pounce and hit those deals out of the park with the best of them. The other deals that are like, hey, you've got too many outfielders. Can you trade one of them and get the most for that player without messing up and trading the wrong one? Like Randy Rosarena. Can you do that? Well, historically, it's been been a little bit spotty, right? So – Easier said than done to uh, to find an odd man out and then be able to extract value from that guy in a trade. Josh says, when do I think they flip Walker and Contreras in the lineup, keeping Gorman in the sixth spot to go RLR? Couldn't agree more. It's time to do it now, honestly. But they won't do it because Contreras is, uh, is a big contract, and he's got a pedigree. But I hate – I mean, Jordan Walker has a pedigree too. Like, he already does. Um, but at the same time, are they losing a lot by having – having him in, in the seven hole versus the five hole versus at the end of the day, the St. Louis Cardinals need Wilson Contreras and Jordan Walker to contribute offensively in order to, to get where they want to go. I get that lineup questions are going to become the norm. Uh, when things aren't going well, we look for things to fix. Uh, I personally am, am comfortable to have Jordan Walker in any spot in the lineup. And it does get to the point where having Jordan Walker bat more than less is, is what you want because he's one of the top four hitters on the team. And so if he's batting seventh, there's a mismatch going on there. I couldn't just I, I couldn't agree more. Um, but will Ollie do it right away? I don't think so. I still think uh, to move Contreras down, it's not like Yachty territory where he had to bat fifth for all those years, it seemed like. I don't think it's like that. I think it's just one of those things where if you're if you're Wilson Contreras and, and you're just new to the Cardinals, the, it does become a confidence thing, right, where you don't want to, uh, as Ollie Marmel put him in a spot where he feels like he's lesser or something. And, and you don't know how maybe a new guy is going to respond to that. So I'm not saying it's like, and for years it was that way with Yachty where he was, he was going to bat in a certain spot of the lineup. He had built up that cachet. And I don't mean to say that, you know, flippantly, I kind of understand it to an extent. Uh, and later on at the very end of his career, they finally came around and said, all right, we got to get real with, uh, you know, what, what would be the best construction for our lineup. But I, I think with Contreras, it's, it's going to be a case where they do have to, uh, eventually find a spot for Walker. And like Josh mentioned, if you want to have the right-left-right mixture in that 5-6-7, seven, 
it does limit your options. And if you're going to go Goldie Arenado glued into the 3-4, uh, you know, you could move Goldie up to 2 and Arenado up to 3. A lot of people have said that would be something they'd like to see. Uh, I think those players are most comfortable 3-4. and four. And Ollie is definitely a manager who says, all right, what are the players comfortable doing? I want to try to match that to the extent that it makes sense. Um, and that's why I just don't know if you get Jordan Walker batting second because then you do go right, 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 right. If you go two, three, four, five, all right-handed, I think they're trying to avoid that. So there is a limiting factor there of where Jordan Walker can bat uh, if you're going to to maintain those those lineup fixtures. I do think there comes a point where five would make sense. I don't think they've gotten to it yet, but I would be comfortable with it because I would say, hey, the sooner you do mix it up and say, Contreras, brother, you can you can bat anywhere and it's not a reflection negative on you or anything else. We're just trying to win baseball games and try different things. I think Wilson Contreras would be amenable to that, uh, if you, especially if that was just the precedent that you wanted to set with the way you operated things. So I think that's an interesting question, um, but we'll see if, if they end up changing anything. It sounded like before the season, Ollie was pretty dead set on Contreras just being uh, the set-it-and-forget-it guy in the number five hole. So we'll see. Chan the Man says, not to be greedy with the questions, but do you wonder if the Cardinals' front office, and I'm not saying everyone, has fallen for some snake oil salesmen that call themselves analytic guys because I feel like we haven't had good internal pitching development since prime Carlos Martinez. Um, no, I think I trust I think I think trust at the end of the day the analytic work that the Cardinals are doing. Um, it does seem like, like, again, Jordan Montgomery was a guy they identified, brought in, and I think he's going to have a really good season. I said that uh, yesterday, I think, or, or Saturday night after his game, that I think he's going to end up having the season that gets him $20 million plus per year on the open market. I don't know if that's with St. Louis. Probably not, but the Cardinals identified him and were able to bring him in. Um, you know, I, I get what you're saying about the pitching development because there have been promising guys in the organization that maybe have fallen a little short of expectations over the last few years. Guys like Flaherty, but injury played a big part in that, so I don't think that's related. Uh, Dakota Hudson certainly was not able to make that next step after looking really promising as a young starter, but that is another guy who's post-Tommy John, so maybe that's part of it. Uh, But then you see the other guys that were in the organization, you think you you identify what they're going to become, and then they go elsewhere and they become Sandy Alcantara, they become Zach Gallen. So, yeah, I can understand the frustrations there, but no, Chan, uh, to answer your question, I don't think that it's a a problem. Uh, Analytics matters in baseball. I know it's kind of the buzzword that we don't like to talk about, and when things go wrong, we like to blame it for the things that go wrong. But analytics is important. It's in every team's doing it. Really, it's just the the study of finding the information and maximizing that information. Um, being able to use it effectively is important. But like, it's it's not always analytics when a guy goes out there and fails to execute as well. So uh, having the talent and being able to develop it, instilling the analytics that can make them better, but then getting them to execute that's all part of the puzzle too. So I don't know. I don't think it, I'm going to blame the the behind-the-scenes guys that are that are analytics department in the organization, I think having more of those guys is, and gals is better than fewer uh, throughout an organization because more information is better. Now, you want to make sure it's cohesive and everybody's on the same page. Uh, I can throw out buzzwords like synergy, and that's great. Uh, I don't think there's, like, any sort of internal strife where uh, that's what's causing the, the Cardinals to have a 3-7 and seven start. Uh, it's not really how I feel. Cardinal fan 127 says that Contreras has been concerning OPS in the mid-500s. He's not coming through the past several games. Agreed, but remember, 10 games in, he's got a track record, uh, and, and you know, he wants it. Remember, the, the love affair that y'all had with Wilson Couture before the season started, uh, that doesn't have to go away. He's a few games from snapping out of it at any given point. But if you get to June or July, and that's what it is, then we can start talking about, well, maybe this four-year contract, five-year contract, 
uh, is not going to go as swimmingly as a lot of people hope. But through ten games, it's too early for me to make that that sort of uh, that sort of you know claim. And Connor is asking a similar question about Wilson, saying that he's been very lackluster this season so far. You know he has been, but again, there are players through ten games of any point in their career that are going to be lackluster. I, I understand the concern, and I don't think anybody would love to come through with a big hit or have that first home run more than Wilson Contreras. Um, but I think giving him more than 10 games would also be fair of Cardinals fans. Um, but again, everything is amplified when you lose. And right now they're losing. So people are upset with the way things are going. Greg says that on nights where Gorman isn't the designated hitter, it feels like Burleson should be and not in the field. I agree, um, but that's tricky, Greg, and here's why. When Burleson is in the lineup, or I should say like when it's most important for him to be in the lineup is when they're facing a right-handed pitcher because against a left-handed pitcher, Burleson's not probably in there. That's a platoon advantage that they like uh, him facing righties from the left side. And guess who else that applies to? Nolan Gorman. So they're both going to be playing at the same time, and one of them is going to be in the DH spot. And it's probably going to be Gorman because guess who else it also applies to? Brendan Donovan. He plays second base. So I get it, Greg, but there's not actually a scenario where that's going to play out um, because if you've got a lefty on the mound, you're not worried about Gorman, Donovan, or Burleson being squeezed into the lineup. Like some of them guys are going to play against lefties at times, um, but it's not the priority. Against right-handed pitching, it's the priority for all three of them, and this is the alignment that it takes to get it done. It's the only way to do it um, because one of them's got a DH, one of them's got to play. I mean, unless Arenado is out for a game and, and you can have Gorman at third or, or Donovan at third, that's fine, but then then Arenado's out for the game, and and you know that you'd like to have in the lineup. So I get it, Greg, but I just don't think if you if you spell it out that way, hopefully it makes sense. Where those scenarios just really don't apply, where it would would you'd be able to to orchestrate it that way. You're gonna want all three of those bats in the lineup at the same time against right-handed pitchers, unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it. Chase says when that trade happened, I was upset that it wasn't Yelich we got back. He's talking about the Ozuna deal. Uh, would the Cardinals be more upset now if it happened that way? Um, in 2023, the Cardinals might be more upset now if it happened that way uh, for a couple reasons. One, it would be um, – well, no, that's not true. What was I thinking? For a couple reasons, yes, because Yelich is not the player right now that he had been, first of all. At first, I was thinking that the trade would have been with Milwaukee, but that's just where Yelich ended up. All of these deals would have been with the Marlins still, so everything else would have unfolded the same way. I thought at the time the Cardinals played themselves because they could have gotten Yelich if they would have been less desperate to get anybody. They were desperate to get somebody to fill that need because they had said, I believe that was the year they said at the end of season presser that they were getting an outfielder or that they were going to make an impact bat acquisition. And so they sort of were tied to that at that point. I could be conflating the different years, but it felt like that was a thing that they sort of teased a big, a big get. And, when the, when the uh, Marlins said, well, we're not trading Yellich, but we'll trade Ozuna, and Stanton doesn't want to come there, it was like, well, Ozuna was all you get. And the Cardinals felt like they were trading down, I think, like Alcantara, Gallon. Those were guys that were lower down rated than, than Flaherty and Hudson and some of those other pitching prospects. And so you thought it was the deal that was going to cost you less. And obviously, in retrospect, it cost them more than they ever could have imagined. But when it comes to Yellich, I think it's like the Blues winning the Stanley Cup. Are you mad about trading Tage Thompson? Who cares? You shouldn't care because the Blues won the Stanley Cup. Period. Full stop. The end. When it comes to the Cardinals, would they maybe have another World Series appearance at the very least? If Christian Yelich MVP seasons had been in those lineups? Maybe. But then what would would they have ever gotten Arenado or Goldschmidt or all of those things? Like, butterfly effect is really tricky to get to. 
Um, you'd be bummed out about the way Yelich is currently performing, but those years that you would have had him instead of facing him with Milwaukee would have been pretty fun. And uh, at least you would have felt better about getting an MVP caliber season out of the guy that you traded Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallon for instead of getting whatever it was that Ozuna's two years would be described as, which I could go on, but I, I won't get into too much detail about that. Uh, moving back into the comments section, we'll go with Cardinal Finn uh, says that they're paying Mats, Michaelis, Monty, and Wayno 59 mil combined this season. Yeah, it's not like they they haven't spent on the rotation, guys. You always say, you know, you want them to spend money. They spent on the rotation. Has it been effective spending? Well, I guess we're going to find out. Um, but, you know, yeah, it is what it is. And the Wainwright thing, don't worry about the Wainwright money is what I would say, too. Like, it's like Yachty last year. Did he dollar for dollar earn his contract in 2022? Of course not. Does it really matter? No. The, the, the You know, the DeWitts were going to spend that money because they want the legacy player to end his career where he started it as well they should. It would have been embarrassing if they would have let Yachty or Molina go somewhere else, even though they knew they weren't going to get banged for their buck. It would have been an embarrassment to let Yachty finish elsewhere. Cannot let that happen. Same is true for Wainwright. And what did John Mozeliak say when it was with Yachty? I think he was asked about, like, you know, the, the, the terms of the deal. Was he going to let money get in the way of this? Same thing with Wainwright. You're going to let money get in the way of it? No. Cardinals fans want him to spend. I know you want them to spend effectively. But Adam Wainwright deserves the contract that he got. It doesn't matter if functionally he doesn't, you know, get the wins above replacement formula that equals his value for the $18 million or whatever it is. Uh, that was the right decision. You can't, you can't let it – you can't kind of haggle over money with those guys at the end of their careers uh, when they're wearing their red jackets and, and nobody has hard feelings about something going maybe the other way. I think people will be glad right now. Yeah, they need production out of him because the rest of the rotation has not been holding holding up in his absence. So we'll see. Josh adds, he agrees with me on the pitching. Knows there's not much that's going to change on the rotation barring injury. Uh, more frustration. Yeah, it is frustrating to know that. So you just have to write out these starts and hope that these guys are able to come around. That's really the bottom line of it. Uh, Chase, what happens when Nude is back? The log jam gets worse, 100%. That's what I've been trying to tell people. Like, don't just assume that Alec Burleson's going to fade into the, the ether. It's not going to happen, man. Ali Marmo really likes this kid, and, and very for good reason. He was a top 100 prospect uh, the middle of last summer, and he's come up to the big leagues, and he's hit, man. Uh, he had a solid spring, is having an even a better start to the regular season offensively. That is where you sort of wish the Cardinals would have been able to make a trade of one of these good players, but not just to jettison that guy and get rid of him, but to get somebody legitimate back that could have helped them on the pitching side. Um, but they, you know, they have five pitchers that they're paying starting salary. They just, are they going to be good enough? Like, it, that's what's so tricky about this. And, and Josh, he admitted, like, yeah, it's just frustration that that's where they are, and I totally understand it. But that's kind of the nature of it right now is, You've got your five starters, you know, and, and you've, you've got to hope that they can perform because it's not clear which one you're going to be able to replace even if you wanted to. Even if they wanted to trade one of these good quality hitters to get a good quality pitcher and they could find the dance partner to do it with, more questions would, would come along with that. I'm not going to use the term complicated. I know that that has set off Cardinals fans in the past when Mo has used it, but it would be complicated to figure those things out few new people to the stream welcome give it a like we're almost to 10 likes it's more than zero so i would love to get you to like the stream and guys if you're new to the channel subscribe for it uh i would really appreciate the subscription on youtube we've grown over the past week but man i can't grow it without y'all so do it and then tell your friends that you need to do it because uh you like hanging out here in the chat when we do these lives 
Uh, with Donovan in left field, Gorman is second, and Burleson at the DH be a better alignment than uh, what they're doing right now, which is Donnie at second, Gorman, DH, Burley, and left. Uh, I never thought, I know he won the gold glove last year for his versatility. I never liked Donovan in the outfield. It always made me uncomfortable. Um, so I personally think it's probably fine to keep doing it the way that they're doing it. Um, but I understand the question. I think you sacrifice, like if Donovan plays a full season of, of defense in left field, thank you for getting it to 10 likes. You guys are freaking awesome. If Donovan plays a full season of defense at second base, I should say, he is the gold glover at second base in the National League, in my opinion. He would win the award. Um, I know that it was he was qualified, Edmund qualified at second last year and qualified for utility. Donnie only qualified at utility as a finalist, and he ended up winning the award. I think he would win it at second base. He's looked really good there. I don't think he's an above-average left fielder. So let's just say he's a league-average left fielder, Brendan Donovan. You put him out there, he's average. He's not an outfielder, but he's so darn athletic, he'll get it done and be capable. Gorman, is he an above-average second baseman? I say no, uh, but I could say he's a darn tootin' average to maybe slightly above-average second baseman. But if you're going average left fielder versus, you know, average, maybe average plus at second for Gorman, and I think he can get better. Um, But again, he's newer to that position too. Do you want two average guys, or do you want Gold Glover at second, work in progress and left. I think I prefer what they're doing now, but I understand the question. Michael says, I love Burleson, even though I rag him a bit. After he gets done mashing MLB pitching, don't you think he makes a hell of a slow pitch softball slugger? I guess so, but he's more of a contact hitter than people give him credit for. Like he's not the, his name is Burley, but he's not the big Burley guy that's going to hit home runs and strike out 200 times. He's going to, he's going to put the bat to the ball. He's got great bat to ball skills. But that's the thing about him is, imagine, just like we talk about with Jordan Walker, if he starts the launch angle revolution with those hard hits, if Burleson can can do that while maintaining his contact, Burleson can be a very, very elite hitter at the major league level. Um, but, yeah, sure, in, in 30 years from now, he'll be a good softball player too. All these guys would be, though. And Justin just says, I'm so pissed. I don't know what that is. Connor deletes his message. Um couple more questions. We'll, we'll wrap this thing up pretty soon. We got, we got 45 minutes in, but we'll uh, – Go a little longer. Get your final questions in, I would say, at this point, uh, and subscribe. Gosh darn it. Appreciate y'all. Chase uh, asked this. Could they have moved any of the starting pitchers in the offseason? I believe I heard some murmurs of Monty getting moved, but that could have been from people hoping that they cited, uh, they signed Carlos Rodon. And clearly they weren't going to sign Carlos Rodon. If you go back to winter warm-up, and I thought they should have been in on him, right? I was I was tooting that horn. Go back to winter warm-up. Listen to the Bill DeWitt comments. He he sounded like you can just tell from body language and the way somebody perceives a question, whether they're just giving you lip service or whether they truly are, are genuine in what they're saying. And he was genuinely kind of bewildered. Like people thought we were going to sign a, a, a big name nine figure pitching contract. No, that wasn't guys. It was never a consideration. So as much as we thought Carlos Rodon would make sense, they didn't even think about it. They really didn't not, not beyond just a cursory glance in his direction. It was not considered by ownership. Uh, or really the front office. So, Justin, you're new here. Well, welcome, my friend. Subscribe to the stream. Uh, subscribe to the Brendan Schaefer YouTube channel, whatever it's called, uh, and, and make sure you put on the notifications because then you will get notified when we go live like this, which will happen usually for those who are wondering when I'll do these. After road games, for the most part, will be the, the times that we can do them because after home games, I'm at the stadium. Connor asks, should they trade Tyler O'Neill for Jesus Lizardo? Uh, if the Cardinals could get that deal done, they should have done it already. They can't get that deal done. 
It's just not. I don't. First, I've I've talked about how I don't think the Marlins are necessarily after a Tyler O'Neill. I don't know that that's something that they're looking to do. Um, I just don't know if it's the fit. I thought maybe they would want a left-handed slugging outfielder. Um, so maybe they would like Alec Burleson more in more team control, right? The Marlins are still kind of a work in progress. Tyler O'Neill's only got this year and next year of team control remaining before he's a free agent. So no, Lazardo is uh, a much, I believe, to the Marlins a much more valuable asset than Tyler O'Neill personally. Uh, let's see. Scott says Duvall broke his wrist today. I didn't know that. The Red Sox are going nowhere. Could they swap a package for Chris Sale, who's looked good in the early going, get some cash back? Uh, they also need a shortstop. So could Paul DeYoung go for somebody in Sale with some money thrown in there? And and Chase mentions too about uh, Adam Duvall breaking his wrist, which I totally didn't know. So thanks for the heads up. Uh, and that they could use an outfielder. But, yes, Boston could use an outfielder, but they could almost plug anybody in there because they're going nowhere fast. They're the worst team in that division, a very loaded AL East, and so I don't think for Boston there's an impetus to get it going real quick. Paul DeYoung, you know, yeah, I, I guess he could fill out a shortstop for Boston, and, you know, Green Monster, he might he might thrive in, in Boston if he were to go there. Um, but I don't know that he's got a lot of trade value. The Chris Sale thing, I think they would want to get some some young players back because they're going to have to sort of go through a quasi-rebuild. Um, so would I be interested in Chris Sale for the Cardinals? Yes. Who's he replacing in your rotation if Adam Wainwright's healthy and nobody else is hurt? When somebody gets hurt between now and, and the July 31st deadline, they can they can then have a spot to, to plug in a starter if they don't get what they're looking for from Woodford and Libertor. Um, but right now it's hard to envision a trade like that, even though it's April and we can look across the league and go, well, that team could use an outfielder. We could get that from them. And then you, you play matchmaker. I just don't think it's very likely to happen in April, no matter almost who gets injured across the league. Teams are going to take more time to sort of field these things out, um, before jumping into the trade waters this quickly into the season. That's going to do it though, for this edition of B shape daily live. I appreciate you guys, your questions, your comments, everything, your participation, uh, one more time, want to plug my stuff. Uh, Scott was a new sign-up to the Patreon today, which is super meaningful. I appreciate the hell out of you, Scott, for that. Um, that's just kind of the, the way to support my content. But if you just want to do it on a free basis right now, subscribe to YouTube for free. Subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts for free. Get the daily videos. Get the daily audio content. Be able to hang out in these live streams. Um, I'm trying to build this channel up. So if you got Cardinals friends in your lives, uh, tell them. Tell them to sign up for the uh, subscription for the YouTube channel. It is completely free. But uh, the Patreon is patreon.com slash bshafer12. If anybody's looking for the Patreon, you DM me on Twitter. I'll tell you how to find it. Uh, but I appreciate you guys so much for joining me. Uh, one more for the road from Josh says, a third lefty in the rotation would be Chris Sale, unless you're flipping Monty, uh, if you don't think you can re-sign him. Yeah, Josh, buying and selling at the deadline would often be a smart move. I've never seen John Mosellac do it like to that extent. So I think... It would be a little tricky. And like Josh mentioned, Monty has been their best starter, uh, at least is the one starter to give them a, a legit quality outing that you'd like to see somebody give you in like an October. So they're probably not trading him. They're riding Monty to the rail and saying, good luck in free agency, my man. Uh, they'd try to resign him, but I just don't think they're going to be successful in that. Anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily Live. Thank you guys so much, and we'll talk to you next time, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow we get a game to talk about that's a little better, and we'll meet you right back here live about 1030. Thank you guys so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace.